Hey guys, welcome to episode number eight of the Rugby Strength Coach podcast. This is Keir from RugbyStrengthCoach.com and today's guest is Mike Hedleski from the USA. First American, first powerlifter. Thanks very much for being on, Mike. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know either of those things. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. So for those um, who are not aware or never heard of you before, do you want to kind of introduce yourself and give people a, a bit of insight into your background? Someone who would come in and be 
like, hey, I've, I've picked up 800 pounds off the floor. I might know what the hell I'm talking about. Like, you know, sorry, sorry, coach, you're still doing your 1975 push-up pull-up routine. <laughs> uh, here's some other stuff you can do. But uh, anyway, yeah, rambling a little bit. Um, so, um, sorry, yeah, um, I was going to say, when you, when you first got into lifting, you know, obviously, like, for those who, who haven't, seen you lift before you you put up some disgusting numbers like i looked at a video of you this morning doing 600 pound straight leg deadlifts i think you've deadlifted like is it 810 you've squatted 675 in, in what was it in kilograms i think it's like around i think it's around like 365 and it comes out to like 816 it's it's a like fucking that. disgusting amount <laughs> it, it, it felt like shit <laughs> so were you were you a natural from the get go, or were you just somebody who was kind of like a hyper responder to to weight training stimulus? Uh, de- definitely, like you read, look at stuff on the internet, and people talk about like genetics and stuff like that, and like uh, all these people. Like I, I'm I am built for deadlifts, and I, I really didn't realize that until I started really hitting them pretty hard and everything. Uh, I was actually talking to uh, Gene Gene Bell. He's like a like two. Hundred time world champion, son's Ian Bell, and anyone who's in strength sports at all knows who that guy is. Uh, familiar with it at all? Uh, and I was talking to him about like what makes a good deadlifter. Why? Why is his son such a good deadlifter? Like he has so many good deadlifters that he trains, like world champions. Uh, and he said, if your elbows line up with your belly button, you'll be a good deadlifter. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? what the fuck is he talking about? Yeah. I'm looking around like the Arnold Sports Festival and stuff, right? The bigger meets that I go to, and I'm like, oh my, oh man, like that is 100% correct. Everyone's got monkey arms. <laughs> Thank you, your elbows lined up right up with my belly button. I was like, man, that, that's like some Yoda stuff, like, uh, yeah, like night stuff. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, I'm definitely genetically, definitely not, uh, definitely not, you know. Pre, predetermined to be a strength athlete, I think. I remember I started lifting weights. Uh, I went to an interest meeting for football in high school and uh, met the head coach, shook his hand. I was like, oh, like, I'm, hi, my name's Mike Gillespie. I'm really interested in playing football uh, next year in high school and everything. And I, I just played, like, soccer up until that point. Uh, and, like, some basketball, stuff like that. Nothing like that. I sucked at both of them. So Same, <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. so I, I started, I got a gym membership. I didn't, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. The only thing I knew how to use was the leg extension machine. Yeah. So I would go to, go to the gym, use the leg extension machine for 10 minutes, and then I'd go hop on one of those little, uh, those little video bikes where you can play like a tank game, <laughs> and, like, chase tanks around and shoot them and stuff. Some bullshit thing screwing around. So uh, I remember the first, I, I, was, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, actually. The first time I actually benched, I, I somehow, I weighed 165 pounds, somehow just like cluster fucked 165 pounds up. Wow. And uh, I was so fired up about it. And like, uh, it looked it looked like a mess. And then I remember doing my first barbell squat for football testing for high school. Uh, 95 pounds pinned me to the floor. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, I unracked it, took two steps back, felt, felt pretty confident about it. And next thing I know, I was like flat underneath that thing. Um, and honestly, I didn't. I didn't really deadlift until I was in college playing football. Oh, really? Like 
600 pounds in high school on a trap bar. Wow. When I go to college, I, I can pull 225 off the ground on a straight bar. Well, I've, I spoke to a coach in the States last year, and he just said, look, he goes, the trap bar deadlift is a leg press with the bar in your hands. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I guess starting out, yeah, like I said, at that, that point, I was like five, five, nine, five, ten, probably only about 160 pounds, pretty lanky kid, like not, not a whole lot to me, really, I don't know, uh, but then, uh, yeah, I really started, like, hitting the weights, I did horrible my whole first year of football, I didn't play a single down or anything, uh, tried out wrestling, tried out basketball, I hated it, decided I'd rather just try to gain some weight, lift weights, really focus on that, luckily enough, I'm one of the, like, 1% of people on earth that had a football coach that knew what the hell he was doing with his weights, you know, with the, with the strength conditioning aspect of the program. That, oh, man, that made that made such a difference. Between between ninth and 10th grade, I shot up to six foot two and I gained about 50 pounds. Not bad. I'm just, <laughs> just squatting the right way, I swear to God. So, like, uh, yeah, my numbers still weren't anything too crazy out of high school. I, I was probably... I was probably like number one or two on the football team, uh, strongest strongest guys there, like total and everything. And then I got to college, uh, more more like kind of old school, kind of functional training, linear periodization stuff, which uh, which I wasn't even doing in high school. We were using like the uh, bigger, faster, stronger program. But looking looking back at that stuff now, I mean that's more along the lines of like daily undulating periodization. That's yeah, popular up and down. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? Like, what? How, how do 
this shit got rough. Yeah. Uh, and that was, uh, yeah, so then I, I finally did my first competition while still playing football and everything. I think I totaled, ended up totaling like a low, like 1,500-something. Uh, so, I mean, it's still, it's still a pretty decent total. But oh, I yeah. Remember, I never, yeah, yeah, it wasn't bad. I actually won the junior heavyweight uh, class for that one. I just some local meat, nothing too crazy. But I remember I was doing deadlifts, and I had no idea what the hell I could do. I never, I never maxed out on it before. So my, my opener was 450 pounds. And I was like, oh, that was pretty easy. Uh, what, what the hell, I'll try 550 on the next one. <laughs> really, really easy. That was the most I'd ever done right there. Because I, I was the most I'd ever done. I had my hands or anything. So I was like, uh, what's, uh, I didn't want to do 650 because about 100 pounds is too much. So I did. the next jump was like 644 or something. <laughs> so I, uh, so I, I did that and smoked it. So that, that was, uh, after I, I did that, uh, yeah, I was talking to some people who was my first meet and stuff. Everyone was like, holy shit. Like, I'm pretty sure that was the heaviest deadlift at that meet. Wow. So the writing was on the wall. What's that? The writing was on the wall right then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, holy shit. Like, I finally, you know, it took me all this time. I finally found something I'm halfway good at. And, uh, yeah, football kind of went on the back burner after that. I still, I still did pretty well. Uh, actually, I was voted a captain my senior year. Uh, like in a preseason All-American for the NCAA and everything, but I just, I, after training camp, I just, you know, just too, too many politics, and, and with the team sport, especially American football, you're only as good as the shittiest person on your team. And oh, okay. we really, uh, look at, looking around, I was like, <laughs> man, uh, this, this isn't going to be a good year, and I don't want to blow my ACL out, you know, winning three games. Yeah, just because, you know, the, and then a bunch of stupid, stupid other personal stuff was going on at the same time. And uh, I just, I thought I'd do a lot better just kind of focusing on, like, I had a pretty cool internship with the university. Uh, just focusing on that and then just, you know, taking every free moment to lift and read <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. So that actually worked out for the best when I actually got a grad assistantship with the school to go back and do a master's degree for free that they paid for. for Not bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I think I'm the only person that made money getting their master's degree. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it was really because I kind of, I really think it's because I stopped playing football, uh, learned, like, learned, read every book I could get my hands on, and just, uh, yeah, just kind of just, you know, worked my ass off of that internship and then that grad assistantship. It really, really helped me out. I wouldn't have been able to do that without that position. How, um, how many years was it after that that you went to the World Championships? Uh, I went to, I got to go to Suzdal, Russia in 2013. Yeah. And, uh, like I said, I'm not, I'm definitely not genetically like predisposed to be able to do any of this stuff it's taken me a lot of hard work and really i mean i think every like it like it's not even every time i do a rep i get stronger every time i read a new book i get a little bit stronger like it's yeah. only like knowing more about it and uh like that so like my first like i said my first uh, competition was actually in 2005 um and after that like it was kind of slow going like i think my next meet i got like a 1600 pound total and uh that was still raw and everything then i did some single fly stuff for a couple of years uh just because that was fun putting on a bench was fun my bench sucks so like you know it going up 120 pounds yeah <laughs> it to me. Uh, i got out of that and then i started doing uh like i did the i did my first raw nationals that they had down in killing texas in 2012 and that's that's actually what qualified me to uh to go to russia and uh, that that was like I wasn't. I wasn't even considering being invited, but I didn't realize. I, I've always weighed in pretty light for my weight class, uh, for the most part. For the what was two seventy five then, now it's like two sixty four. 
420 kilogram class. Um, so yeah, like uh, yeah, getting getting invited that was awesome because I really had no idea. And I just I'm sitting on sitting on my couch like drinking a beer one day after work, and the head coach calls me and says like, oh yeah, your your Wilk score was just good enough to get on the team. <laughs> I finished second uh, behind Mike Trichere, which always happens every time he's there. Uh, so that how dude's a beast. I, I, oh man, it, it, it sucks Having, knowing that he's going to be in every single one of these. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I wish he was a jerk too. So I yeah, like like a crappy eighty sports movie. Like he's from you know the other dojo. Ro- Rocky Four. <laughs> yeah, like knocking my books out of my arms in the hallway. And stuff, yeah. But, uh, So yeah, yeah, I think that total, uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure I totaled like, it, it wasn't, I, I was actually injured for that, for that meet that I qualified for Worlds, I only totaled like 1760, I think, like 1770, somewhere around there, but again, my body weight coefficient was so good, and I finished in second place, that, uh, that, that got me that bump two Worlds. What what where is it in Russia? Because I could not point that place out on a map. <laughs> I, I still don't think I can because you know, <laughs> one one thing about going to Russia is that I really don't think they enjoy having Americans. <laughs> having oh Americans wow! Uh, it's uh, like uh, like I know they like they they had a set up uh, a bunch of Americans were kind of getting there on the same day, so organized like a shuttle to get us there. And that, that shuttle ride, I thought I thought we all died in a plane crash. It was just our like journey to hell in this shuttle. Going, uh, it, it was like me. I've never been to Russia. My only experience with it is like the Rocky movies, like in Siberia, and it's snowing like fucking crazy outside. Yeah. So, like I'm assuming it's gonna be cold outside. It was 98 degrees the entire time. <laughs> it, it was hot as shit outside, and I would get this bus with like no windows that open, no air conditioning that. The driver's like hand rolling and chain smoking cigarettes for the entire nine hour drive. So nine I, hours? I still have no idea. Uh, I mean, it was insane. Like, wow. Traffic was terrible. And, uh, like, I mean, I'm sitting I'm sitting here in one seat, sitting across the aisle from me is Brad Gillingham. Wow. Like, largest human beings on the planet. Like, there, there's a lot of heat being put off inside of this bus. There's all the people in it, too. Uh, I think they only had about 10 seats. We had our luggage on our laps. It was a nightmare. But, uh, yeah, like, uh, yeah, it was uh, just an interesting place. You know, you can really see, uh, you can really see a lot of the after effects, of just their history and everything. Like, uh, people were telling me about, like, you know, looking at the uh, architecture of all the buildings and everything and stuff like that. Everything was, like, primer gray. Everyone looked kind of sad all the time. Uh, but once we once we got outside the city and the kind of the like farmlands and outskirts of the town stuff, it was actually a really pretty cool place. Like it was a really pretty place. Some parts of it anyway. <laughs> what were the uh, what were the crowds like at, at the the meet? Because one thing that I've kind of noticed from from being in the UK, we have a lot of Eastern Europeans that that migrate to the UK. Is just that the strength culture is is so deeply ingrained. Like they they when they're walking, they're picking up a barbell. <laughs>
big fat guys were going and everything like that. Um, uh, but yeah, it was, it was pretty packed in there, and there was a lot of just, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy being up there, and like, you know, there's people yelling, like cheering for you in other languages. You know, they're there with their with their team and stuff. Uh, it's something, there's something really, really unique to powerlifting. There really is like, like no one, I mean, every, every, everything, every facet of life has its assholes and everything like that. Yeah. Like, uh, and really, it really seems like powerlifting. Like everybody, everybody really is there to, you know, just see anybody lift heavy stuff. Like uh, and yeah. everyone gets excited about it. Like doesn't matter, doesn't matter where you're from or anything. That, that was that was a pretty cool experience. I think there was there was over fifty countries uh, that competed in that thing. It's pretty pretty wild. Yeah, it's like I. It's funny you should say that because I I went on Instagram this morning and I looked. I follow uh, Robert Oberst, the strongman. And um, they're over there now for the World Championships in Malaysia for, for Strongman. And the night before the competition, you know, every competitor went out for dinner together. And you just imagine, you know, if that was the Super Bowl, they wouldn't be having uh, dinner with one another the night before. <laughs> or even like, uh, like, imagine like if they did that for like a bodybuilding competition, you know? Like Fuck no. Talking each other, you know, be like looking at down at their plates, like, you know, texting somebody. <laughs> like pissed off and comparing themselves to everybody else. Yeah. Same thing. You saw uh, uh, the American Open this year was in Washington D.C. Or last year was in uh, December, and that was a combination of USA weightlifting and USA powerlifting. And even even with that, watch some of the USA weightlifters interact. There's guys wearing singlets from different gyms. They're obviously in the same weight classes and stuff like that. Like like high fiving the shit out of each other after uh, after big lifts and stuff like that. It's, it's just really it's a really cool uh, I don't know really cool community I guess it, it actually is. It, 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 seems, it seems to me it gets even better when you get to like a higher level of competition too. Yeah. So at that Worlds, you uh, you won gold in the deadlift, right? How, how did the, the rest of the meet go? Uh, oh, man. I was in, finished dead last in the squat. <laughs> dead last in the bench press. I had actually, a couple, uh, three weeks before I went, I tore, um, I tore my quad. And then uh, two weeks before I went, I broke a bone in my foot. Fuck. So I, I was I was pretty I was pretty jacked up. So my squat I think I think I my squat was like five twenty five five fifty something like that, and that was literally all I had. <laughs> I had nothing left because I, I basically was pushing off of one leg the entire time. I was doing that was uh, that was brutal. But uh, yeah, and then uh, bench something uh, bench something atrocious just because I couldn't I couldn't get set. I was surprised that it bottomed out on bench press. Uh, especially with the foot and the quad, I use a lot of leg drive when I bench. So just getting getting that position, getting set up, and everything, I could not get comfortable. And like I barely, barely got like a three hundred. I think it was like three sixty five or something like that. And that was uh, that was dead last by about forty pounds in that <laughs> weight class. Uh, so I mean, I, everybody's probably looking at me like, "What the hell is this guy doing here? You know, what what is going on?" Uh, so yeah, that actually, uh, I, I, I was pretty, I was pretty jacked up going in the deadlifts. That was the only thing that didn't feel like absolute shit. Uh, so my opener was something that was right, right under 700 pounds, just smoked it, just totally crushed it. Uh, looking, looking around at some of the competition, I was like, okay, like I might, I might be able to walk out of here with a silver medal or something, feeling pretty good because my two biggest competition are Mike Dershare, who's going for a new world record every time he does anything in a powerlifting <laughs> current world record holder uh uh Bufia, i think he's from algeria he, he was a 
could not get a second attempt, uh, the guy from Algeria. Uh, so I think he missed it, then he tried it again, he got it. And I, my, my second attempt was a little bit heavier than his. I went to 755 pounds and just absolutely smoked that too. It was feeling pretty good. Uh, actually, I, I lost it a little bit going forward, but I, I knew I knew I had a little bit more than that just because it felt it just blew up once I got it past my knees. And then uh, luckily for me, one of the only times I've ever seen this happen, Trichere had a little bit of an off day on the deadlifts. He, uh, he tried. Second attempt was 804 pounds, and he crushed it. He, it went up 1,000 miles an hour. I, it looked like to me he went up so fast that he wasn't expecting it to lock out as fast as it did, and he kind of unlocked his knee for a split second and then relocked it. They told him to put it down. It, 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 they, he didn't get it like uh, two red lights to one. Uh, just because like two of the judges saw the knee unlock, so he's like, "All right, whatever, I'll try it again." Uh, so then, now we go into third attempts. Uh, Bufia made his 740 something, whatever it was. I forget exactly what it was. Uh, my third attempt was 777, which was a PR for me, like raw. That was the most I've ever done without a suit on. Um, so I went, went up, just grabbed it, just knew there was no way, like I was either going to die or this thing was going to come all the way up. So I, I got it, yanked it up. I was actually really, really smooth deadlift, and I didn't, I didn't know it then because number one, I'm a terrible competitor, didn't check any of this shit ahead of time. That was only about six pounds under the, the world record at the time for the raw deadlift. All right. <laughs> after that weight class. So, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I don't think I would have had it, but I probably would have tried it if I knew that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, then uh, Trichere went, he goes and yanks his 804 again, flies up, and then I just, it slipped out of his hand. So then he, uh, like, right, like right before he locked it out, he just, he just dropped it. So then, uh, you know, everyone's like, oh, sorry, Mike. And I, even he was walking past, and like, shit, man, that sucks. And I'm sitting there for a second, and I was like, holy shit, I just got a cold medal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so even I was bummed for Mike missing his lift, and I didn't realize, I'm like, oh, I did more than everybody else. That was, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty lucky. I just, uh, you know, uh, uh, Matt Gary, he was helping me out, coaching, calling my lips and stuff. Uh, pretty, pretty awesome coach, and his his plan was perfect. And then just, you know, picking smart attempts, and just like feeling feeling okay. I mean, I basically did two warm ups for squat and bench, so I mean that definitely helped uh, going in for uh, going into that deadlift. I was I was pretty jacked up about that. That's probably my highest sporting achievement thus far. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty cool. It's a pretty high stage. So. Um... Yeah. Your your bench has gone up quite a lot from from that. Obviously, you were injured, but the three sixty five. You're is it? You're in like mid fours now, aren't you? On your bench press. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, I'm getting ready for raw nationals in October right now, and that's like our like American nationals for unequipped powerlifting and everything. And uh, hopefully, it's I, I'm shooting for. I'd, I'd love to be right around like a two hundred kilogram bench, maybe a little bit more. Uh, that's that seems to be pretty common with like decent deadlifters. The bench press is atrocious. Like, it's just not yeah. very good leverages and everything like that. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely getting a little bit better, for sure. What kind of stuff have you had to do to to improve that? Because I always think, you know, if you're, if you're really good at something, it, you often don't learn as much improving that as if you suck at something and you really, really have to kind of put your mind to it and, and dedicate yourself to improving that. Yeah. Like, uh, and now, now even some of that stuff starting to stall a little bit, so I'm probably going to change it up. Uh, just see if I can push it a little bit more. I, I think I'm 
you know, and I'm not, I'm not a big believer in like genetics, you know, being, being a factor in any of this stuff. Like, but I think I'm getting pretty close to that, you know, ceiling for where my bench press is going to go uh, as, as a human of my shape and size and everything. So I could gain 100 pounds, probably go up a little bit, but I, I, I don't know. I can't, I don't know if I can validate, I don't know if I have the constitution to make myself do that. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, I just, just a, a huge thing is just a, a higher frequency of training for the bench. Doing it, I, I mean, I, I got, I, I'm pretty, pretty good buddies with uh, Dr. Mike Sordis over, over here in the states. He, he's the guy who's kind of proponent, like a big proponent of like the daily undulating periodization. Done a ton of research on it. He goes to seminars on this stuff now and everything. Um, and I actually hooked up with him after I got done with uh, with Worlds and then with uh, a couple other comp- little smaller competitions I was doing. And uh, he really, he really hooked me up with the program and everything. We were talking back and forth. Uh, just because I, I mean, I knew nothing about how the program worked or how it was set up or anything, and uh, he sent me a ton of his research. A bunch of stuff wasn't even published yet, or anything. It's, it's really cool having nerd friends like that that are actually like, kind of strong too. They have all kinds of cool shit to send you. But um, yeah, so really, the, the higher frequency of benching. I mean, that after that world, I, I knew like just like that. I, I had to make that better. So really, I mean, just hammering it three days a week, pretty heavy. Uh, really, no, no crazy assistance exercises. Just getting a little better at military press, which I am probably the worst person on earth at any kind of overhead pressing at all. But I think I could push you at that. Yeah, it's pretty bad, especially like a strict military press. Like Jesus Christ, like it, it's it's hard putting weight on the bar. Like <laughs> it's, it's insane. Um, but yeah, like you know that pushing that really hard, like hitting hitting a strict military press three times a week as well, hitting uh, hitting some different sets and rep schemes with close grip bench three times a week as well as doing like that main kind of uh, either like hypertrophy strength or power work three times a week for the actual competition bench press. And uh, it's been like, I never, I never really like paused in training before. I uh, started doing that a little bit and I've noticed a huge, uh, just a huge improvement in my stability and my tightness and stuff. And then you know, really, just looking looking at guys that are stronger than me. This is such a non-scientific, non-technical thing. You know, looking at guys who have better benches than me, their arms are fucking huge. Yeah. I, I look like yeah, I look like I have two like bendy straws hanging off of my shoulders. <laughs> so like, I mean, that, that's one thing I've been working on too. I've, I've been doing like like kind of some more isolation arm stuff as well, like typical like bodybuilding stuff. And uh, that's, I mean, a, a bigger arm improves your leverage at your elbow and your shoulder joint. I mean, it's, it, the, the bar doesn't have to move as far. It's just, it's physics. It's how, like, it's just how stuff works. But, like, uh, yeah, it's like a shorter moment arm, you know. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool that you just get bigger and then get stronger because your leverages get better on something like that. Because, yeah. like, far, as far as genetics for size, I think I'm even worse for that than I am with strength training. So really? It's, it's, taking, yeah, it's taking a shitload of volume. Like I'm, I'm in the corner, like crying with the with the twelve pound dumbbell, <laughs> like doing my concentration curls, and like I can't, I, like, I can't feel my fingers anymore. But uh, yeah, really, I think I think the biggest thing is that frequency of training, uh, really, really hitting some of the paused work and training and stuff. And one another big thing I noticed is just my my kind of thoracic stability, my thoracic mobility. Really, was uh, I, I couldn't get that like big big barrel chest expanded position in my bench press and uh, started reading some uh, some like just kind of physical therapy stuff on 
you know, just kind of thoracic mobility, like chest wall compliance, stuff like that, like exercises to actually mobilize ribs and uh, getting getting intercostals to stretch and, you know, the, all, the, all the ligaments and stuff between, uh, all the tendons and stuff between your, between your ribs, they, like, they, they should be pretty pliable and mine just weren't. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I was kind of coming across some exercises for that, I really started hammering just, like, uh, just, you know, just scapular mobility stuff, just being able to move my shoulder blades. Like, it's amazing how many people who do a strength sport, you know, you tell them to you know, sit up straight and depress your shoulder blade. There's a shitload of people that can't do that. Yeah. Like, I was one of them, you know, and then I started working on it, got a lot better. That little chest wall compliance thing got better. I mean, that's just the ability for your, for your chest to expand when you're breathing or when you're arching or anything. And uh, just doing that, I mean, I probably cut seriously two or three inches off of the range of motion on my bench press just working on that that all that chest wall compliance stuff but i mean i know i know a lot of people just immediately start working on their arch and like getting a better like lumbar position and stuff but every every time i do that my back's fried and i i honestly don't give a shit that much about my bench press i'd like for it to be better but i'd rather do better on the deadlift you know i don't want that to be fried by the time i get there yeah so really just uh, working on that like like a lot a lot more of the it's interesting. It really, it really seems like you know the guys who train bench like a bodybuilder have big benches, and the, the guys who squat more frequently have better squats. And then just people who do speed work normally have better deadlifts. And it's it's really those are just three kind of common common factors in the in the strongest people on earth in any of those disciplines. So like uh, just kind of you know paying attention to some of that shit and then putting it into my training. It's, it actually has made a huge difference. Like I said, if I could. You know, if I could be around a 200-kilogram bench by October, I've hit that in training before with a pause, uh, dealing with some, like, tendonitis or something in my shoulder or something. It's always something. You know, it's always something. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm dealing with that a little bit, but hopefully it'll uh, – it's feeling a lot better. Again, just doing stupid modalities for that, mobility work and everything. It's feeling a hell of a lot better. So hopefully I can get back into uh, some heavier stuff soon here. But, yeah, in the meantime, all I've been doing is just, uh, yeah, like, uh, man, I'm, like, doing – 10 sets of bench press and then doing like dumbbell presses and shit like i feel like i feel like i don't know muscle and fitness yeah 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 i feel like such a wuss because i like i go and i go into my gym on mondays which is like international chess days here in america oh it's all over the world man come on it's all over the world (laughs) every every bros in there with this like sleeveless bodybuilding.com shirt on just like going going ballistic on like 95 pound bench presses and i'm right there with them now see that all the time in uh, in rugby as well like the the best rugby athletes don't make the best coaches because yeah it's like trying to teach a fish how to swim those guys just do it and they don't think about it. it's the guys that actually struggle and have to think about it and, and analyze everything that tend to be the, the better coaches 
which is why I hope I'm I'm an okay coach because I was a shit rugby athlete. I still am. <laughs> so for for people who've um, I'm a terrible athlete now. I'm okay. I'm lifting weights. Yeah. Absolutely. So for people who are not familiar with daily undulating periodization, do you want to kind of give people a, you know, on the back of a postcard, what it's all about, how it works and why you think it's such a good approach? Yeah, yeah, sure. Like, uh, like I've, I've been, I've been evolving my training a little bit since I, I did that for about a year and I really, really liked it. It just, uh, kind of beat me up. Plus I, I just, I kind of get mentally just like it, it's just so monotonous doing the same lifts over and over again. I, I need I need more stimulation than that. I, got, I just got bored most days. Like just emotionally, I just kind of checked out for for a couple of months at a time, actually. But uh, yeah, I, I don't want to get too crazy into it because that's how like Doctor Zoris he makes he makes money making programs for stuff like that now. And like he's uh, he actually runs he actually helps run the exercise design, uh, exercise science department at Florida Atlantic University as well. So I mean, he he knows his, he knows his shit way better than I do. But a basic, uh, pretty pretty basic rundown. I mean, it's a higher frequency program. Uh, you do lots and lots of practice with just the the main lifts. You know, just the main power lifts. So I mean, you're you're squatting three times a week. You're benching three times a week. Uh, a lot of people can't handle it. He had me up to deadlifting three times a week, and I was I was still progressing and everything. But Jesus, that's hard on you. That's that'll that'll run you into the ground faster than anything else but uh still i did i did pretty well with it and everything but so there's three days a week are broken up into three separate kind of you know facets of training like you'll have a hypertrophy day that's earlier on in the week you have a strength day that's in the middle of the week and then you have a power day that's uh that's later on in the week so i mean it's, it's it sounds really similar to a lot of other a lot of other periodization schemes and stuff like that and the progression's really simple it's it's something you know you can go by percentages on everything, or it's just pick a base percentage and then, you know, add five pounds every week, add another set every week, just as long as you're constantly. But the thing that's a little bit different about it than most programs is the volume is constantly increasing as the program goes on. Like de- depending on which, depending on which like phase of training that you're in. I mean, obviously there's there's different phases depending on when the competition's coming up and the way every periodization scheme is set up. It's a lot of volume, you know. With, mild intensity to very little volume with a very high intensity and it works it works the same way but just uh progressing through the actual you know the mesocycles for each block and everything like that it's it's really it's really interesting the way the volume continuously increases so i mean you have a you have a quantifiable improvement in work from week to week and then uh, he he really likes incorporating a lot of plus sets on those power days basically it's just as many reps as you can possibly do and typically for me, just because I don't, I don't know, but talking about genetics and stuff earlier, my one God-given genetic, like athletically given gift that I have is my ability to totally not give a shit about how I'm feeling most of the time. <laughs> I think that's why a lot of my plus sets were around about 90%. Uh, and I, I, do, I do one or two of those a week, and then it would just kind of continue for about a month or so. And then uh, yeah, that, that, that wrecked me, but, you know, I still... Like I, I, I think I, I think the whole entire time I was working with him, I missed like one workout because I had like a fever that day or something. I still went in and hit some stuff, but I just couldn't work out to my numbers because I was like seeing shit the whole time. <laughs> so like, uh, you know, I still and I, feel, I felt like, especially the first couple of weeks, you feel like shit doing that a higher frequency program where basically your lightest day, that hypertrophy day, is still never under 
77, 80%. You know, everything else is everything else is at that or above. And then especially when you progress to like a more intensification phase or like going into a competition, I mean pretty much everything's at like either ninety plus percent or like a lot of RPE work is just really, really good with DUP training and stuff. You're at about a nine point five for a lot of the sets. Yeah. Like at and like uh it, it, it gets it gets pretty rough. But yeah, it's a general rundown. So you got you just have those three you know, there's three separate disciplines you're working on six days a week, year-round, and you just kind of progress, reset the percentages for each training. You know, it's, it's pretty it's pretty easy to set up from that point. So you just think volume work, then intensity work, then peak for a meet. You know, and then that's, those are basically the only three phases. And from, from that, I mean, it's really infinitely customizable what you can do. Uh, that's kind of, kind of some of the stuff I'm doing now. I'm kind of working on. I, I still I still love all the West Side barbell stuff. And kind of going back to that right now is more of like an, an off season training because I haven't had an off season in about I don't know seven years. So I think <laughs> yeah. the idea to grow something a little bit easier just until all this shit heals up on me that's uh, not feeling too good. But um, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's pretty interesting how easily applicable all the West Side stuff is when you try to put it into a higher frequency DUP style program because really I mean. It's, it's interesting, the more you read about really complicated, complex programming and periodization schemes, and just the, the science behind it, just what, what people just typically believe is the best program, it's all fucking same. Like, there's so many, there's so many things that are so, like, uh, that, that cross over. Like, I mean, DUP, like the daily undulating periodization, you have a, you know, you have your uh, hypertrophy day, you have a strength day, you have a power day. West side, you have repeated efforts. Exactly the same. Yeah. You know, it's the volume. The volume changes for each day. So the definitions are a little bit different. So, you know, dynamic upper days a little bit more volume. You know, your hypertrophy days, your highest volume. But still, I mean, same same concept. You're working on getting bigger, getting stronger, getting faster all the time. So, like, uh, you know, it's it's really it's really like like I said, it's really interesting, especially for me, because I, I don't know if there's a, too many people in the world that have actually used West Side with success, well, without drugs and multiply or uh, you know and I'm, I'm a raw lifter and that's actually i used west side when i won my gold medal at raw worlds you know so i mean that's you can't i mean i don't know if there's a better way to measure a successful program than uh, you know than doing something like that other than the like millions of injuries i sustained you know, <laughs> mostly you know we were talking about it before this started mostly me being a dumbass doing a bunch of stuff i shouldn't have done uh, that I knew I shouldn't have done, and it ended up hurting me. Like, I knew it was going to, but I went ahead and did it anyway. You know, just too much yeah. work, too much volume, pushing it too hard, going, feeling good, so I went too heavy, like, deviated from the plan a little bit. Well, that's why the plan's there, dumbass. Like, stop doing this stupid shit. Yeah. I put up a, a video this week called I Fucked Up and I Need to Take My Own Advice about that hamstring tear, so... Yeah, it's, uh, oh, what did I read? It was like, rules of strength and conditioning. It was like, one, listen to your coach. Two, see number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, especially when you're your own coach, you know, when you're making your own program and everything. Like, you really, oh, man, you just can't, can't be a dumbass. And then it, you can't tell people not to be a dumbass to be a dumbass when you're doing it yourself. You know what I mean? Nah. <laughs> that's, that's the worst. But so, um... You're, I think when we, so we met a few years ago at the, the Central Virginia seminar, um, which I'm always 
bigging up on uh, the podcast and the blog. And um, we, we got quite drunk at that, at that seminar. <laughs> but <laughs> fuck, that was heavy. What was your body weight then? Because is it right that you've cut down to, to get down to the weight class that you're in now? You've, you've lost a little bit of weight. Yeah. It was, was kind of hard to tell because you have like giant biceps, giant calves, Andy Deck there like crowding up the entire room. Fuck, that Jason dude's big. Pegg. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Jason Pegg is not a small individual either. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, uh, yeah, yeah, I was probably like, and again, like, like I was saying before, like if I didn't lift weights at all, if I didn't, if I went into this stuff even a little bit, I'd just be some tall, lanky kid. And I think I'm still shaped like that now, honestly. So, I mean, it's still, even when I gain a bunch of weight, it just, like, distributes everywhere. Like, my shoes don't fit anymore. <laughs> so, like, uh, like I definitely I definitely looked like a fat ass then, I thought, anyway. Just, you know, you couldn't see my neck where it, yeah, that started and my head began. But, like, uh, yeah, I was, I was probably around, like, 280, 290. I had just done a single fly competition before that. Uh, and I, I was, like, I was a heavyweight by, by a good amount. <laughs> <laughs> That's the power of Jesus. <laughs> he loves Jesus. Accident. I have no idea how the hell that happened. Like I just do, I do some like water manipulation, some salt manipulation stuff for me. Uh, pretty much every time, anyway. Just kind of drop a little bit. It doesn't affect my weights at all. And uh, for some reason, it just went extremely well for that one. I, I seriously, I lost about 15 pounds a week, and didn't even really realize it. Like, uh, but yeah, I've typically been weighing at around like 250, 252 for the most part. How do you how do you eat when you're trying to to gain weight? Because I've you you put up some ridiculous things on social media with your your food intake. It's not exactly the uh, the food pyramid. set points 
you know, I've, I've been at such a light body weight for, you know, light for me anyway, for powerlifting, from powerlifting standards anyway. Um, been there for so long. My set point is I, it's, it's really hard for me to get to like press over that 260 mark, but, uh, yeah, I've been I've been I've been pounding some food, so hopefully I, I've been gaining a little bit of weight too. It's it's really funny. I did the Arnold Sports Festival this year, weighed in. I think I was rated right two fifty on the dot, uh, so just typical what I normally weigh in. I did did okay there and everything. But then two weeks later, uh, just for shits and giggles, they have a strongman. It's like a sanctioned strongman competition in my area, and they never do anything. I live out on the eastern shore of Maryland, which is basically just this, you know, this swampy like marshland that kind of it's kind of close to the ocean and there's there's really not a whole lot not a big interest in strength sports or anything around here um so i just i went basically just to support it and that was two weeks later i went in at 266 wow not bad really i found food i was so proud of myself like uh, i was more proud about that than anything i did in the competition it really is very very hard for me to gain weight i mean i've got to like I've tracked, I've tracked numbers in the past of like just what exactly what I need to do. Like I've, I've gotten to some days where I'm, I'm eating like 800 to 1,000 grams of carbs just from like pasta, rice, whatever I can get in, like like Wendy's French fries, like whatever. Like it doesn't matter. Like it's still like I had to do that for a couple weeks in a row to, to gain like not even not even weight on scale, just like appreciable, noticeable amounts of weight on my body. Yeah, uh, and that's that's I've really been trying to push that. I'm not. I, I hate being full all the time, and I hate stuff in my face. But again, that kind of one one attribute that I was blessed with was just kind of not giving a shit about it, and just kind of powering through certain things. And I think most people would stop at a certain point. Uh, but I, I I mean I have to like I mean I wake up and make a make a shake that's got you know ground up like oatmeal, peanut butter, and olive oil in it. Love like, it. Uh, some protein powder and stuff. And I mean, I try to get it up to, you know, a couple thousand calories and, and things like Just that. for breakfast. Yeah, yeah. Just trying, trying to get it in. I've been, I've been pretty lousy with it lately. Uh, just, uh, yeah, work, work schedule's been busy and everything like that. So that's kind of been slowing me down a little bit. But, uh, yeah, like still, still trying to just pound as much food as possible. Like, it's, especially, it seems like a lot of people trying to gain weight. Again, no science here. <laughs> this is, there's nothing that, this is something I've noticed. Like it really seems like, like you can't you can't force someone to eat more in a in a day. Like I, I seriously think people only have a certain amount of like chews. There's only a certain amount of chews <laughs> they can do in a day. So like you have to figure out a way to make each bite more calorically. Like how can you make each bite more calorically dense? Yeah. That's how, <laughs> that's how you get through. That's how you get through the meals. I've tried eating like six meals a day. That's horrible. Like, I mean, I, I don't get anything out of that. Like now with my work schedule, I probably only eat like two, maybe three times a day. Like hopefully I can get like some kind of shake in every once in a while. But like, uh, yeah, then I just, I just bank on all the all the bourbon calories on the weekend and help fill in the gap. Uh, that's been working great. So, uh, yeah, yeah that's, 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 the, that's the one weird trick trainers don't want you to know. That that's the weird trick. Yeah, that's it. That's we figured it out. So you don't gotta watch any more of the six pack shortcut videos or anything. So um <laughs> you know it's it's funny you say that because there's a lot of evidence admit you know, there's a lot of scientific scientific evidence. There's a lot of practitioners out there that would advocate gaining weight slowly because 
there's a set amount that you can gain and you don't want to gain additional fat. But the thing is, I it's it's tough to reconcile that against the guys that are truly fucking huge. Like I've spoken to Jason Pegg about this. I spoke to Brandon Lilly about it when he came to Sydney. If you look at someone like Dave Tate and then what you're doing as well, the guys that are actually fucking huge don't tend to take the gain half a pound a week approach. So would you, would you say you're more on the side of you have to break some eggs to make an omelette? Just gain weight for the sake of gaining weight and then worry about trimming back? Yeah, half a pound. If you're not gaining half a pound a fucking afternoon, then you're not doing it. You're not taking it very seriously. Like, I, there's, I, I, you know, I, have, I have a master's degree in applied physiology. I read, a ton of, I read a ton of research, a ton of science and everything. Honestly, I've been trying to, like, get away from it because it overcomplicates the shit out of a lot of perfectly applicable things at work. So, I mean, it, it's just... Uh, and like like I said, I wouldn't. I, you know, I, I do some online training and stuff. I have, I have clients that I work with all over the place. But you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't advocate this kind of approach for most. I would feel bad taking people's money and then like telling them to do the same things that I'm doing because, uh, like I said, it takes a certain constitution or something. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it gets so over over complicated, especially just. I don't know what this surge is of like online like hipster fitness culture where there's 10,000 Facebook groups on like stuff that fits your macros and there's like 120 pound 16 year olds putting up like pictures of all the Pop-Tarts that they ate because they fit their fucking macros and, like, oh, I'm on track for gaining half a pound this month and like, like all this, all this stupid bullshit, like eat three boxes of those fucking things. It's, it's, it's funny you mentioned Dave Tate. One of the, one of the first articles about gaining weight that I read that wasn't like something stupid for for school. Yeah. Was the, was the J M Blakely. Fuck! Article. I love that article. Oh, like, <laughs> uh, dude! Like it was four breakfast sandwiches from McDonald's, each one with two packets of mayonnaise. Uh, lunch was an all-you-can-eat Chinese food buffet where you eat for 20 minutes as much food as you can fit into your body, and then uh, dinner was a whole pizza with a bottle of olive oil. <laughs> serious he was, he was absolutely serious i mean he owns probably one of the biggest strength and conditioning businesses in the world too probably one of the yeah successful, you know and like that's he did that you know and he got strong doing that you yeah when jay and jay and, ba- and blakely i think he went from 198 to 308 and back down to 198 in a year
For one meal. Yeah, yeah. I dumped a bunch of feta cheese on top, put a bunch of vegetables in it that were all sauteed and stuff, and I ate that. I felt awesome. Like I, I, just, I just felt good about myself. Felt like a sexual Tyrannosaurus. Yeah, right. It's like the same way I feel when I like squat a new PR. It's the same way I feel when I eat something like that. It's just that because I, I know it's going to help me, and that, that's what I have to do. And it's just so the count macros and everything. I, I know I know that's going to piss a lot of people off. That I, like it, it works for a lot of people. I think really like the, the nutrient timing stuff is what's worked best for me over the years. Uh, like paying attention to some numbers and stuff, but really just like I, I, I understand all of the science that's out now with like the anabolic window stuff and everything. And it's just, you know, that little bit of like one to three percent advantage that you get in that time frame. Like I fucking love that. I don't know why everybody doesn't want that. It's pretty well established that it's there and it exists. But uh, you, know, you don't have to do it though. Well, fuck that. Like, yeah, you do. If you, if you want to be, if you want to be good at it, you got to do it, I guess. But that was anyway, the the. The, the post-training window, that was the subject of your thesis, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, that was, that was a lot of my master's program stuff. Just I, I, got, I was never, like, I'm not a big fan of doing nutrition stuff, mainly because, the, again, the internet ruins everything. And that's it. Nothing is worse on there than, like, looking at nutrition advice that people give. But, like, uh, yeah, yeah, just, I mean, there's certain, just, there's certain aspects of that that are just human biology that I don't understand how people can deny. Like, there, there are certain just, there's these non-insulin and contraction-dependent factors that happen to skeletal muscle that, like, after they've been under, not just not just tension, you can't just go, like, hit some pink dumbbells and then, you know, walk on the treadmill for a little while, but after you, like, bust your ass, there are things, like, really intense training, there are just these little acute things that happen uh, and for a very short period of time, like basically, you have you have a period of time if you if you do enough volume at a high enough intensity. And I mean, there's research studies for this shit. I know I'm not the only person that's read this stuff, but like, there's a you have this you have this protein that like just kind of shuttles back and forth in muscle. It's in fat. It's in pretty much anything in your body that stores anything like like food wise, like like uh, blood sugar, you know, anything like that, anything like free fatty acid stuff moving through your bloodstream. Uh, it's, you have these receptors called glute 4 receptors. So, like, what happens with a lot of tension and a lot of time under tension is those receptors are only sensitive in muscle tissue. So these things translocate. They go through this translocation. And if you're taking creatine and fish oil, it make those, both of those things make it more sensitive as well. So, like, now you have this really short period of time where these receptors are wide open only in muscle tissue. And this is regardless of insulin or blood sugar or anything that's going on, anything else that's going on in your body. Like, uh, there's just two little acute mechanisms that really no one can even fucking explain why it even happens, but they know it does. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of, I mean, you type in glute four translocation on, on like, uh, like any internet search engine or something, your head will explode with the information that <laughs> yeah. comes out with that stuff. But it's really, it's really interesting when you get really deep into it. You know, I'm really going over kind of general here, but like, uh, you know, it's, it's something that happens, you know, it's something that happens to everyone, it's our biology, and then, you know, we have certain times during the day, like, circadian hormonal rhythms play a part in it, so, I mean, if you're, if you're lifting at the right time of day for you, and, you know, everything else, like, perfect environment and everything like that, like, literally, you have a time frame where it's almost impossible to store anything as fat in your 
body from what you eat. Like there really is, there really is like a short period of time. Like it, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. And it, I mean, there's, there's no, there's no long-term studies on any of this stuff. Like these are all short-term things, like acute things, probably like mainly, mainly untrained individuals and everything. I would love to see a study done over the course of about, you know, 15 years on nutrient timing versus, you know, a typical, like if it fits your macro plan. Cause I mean, you talk, you talk to some of the best lifters in the world anyway. I mean, it's different for, you know, you know, marathoners and stuff like that. It's, it's, a, it's a lot different, total different energy systems. Like, like I said, that whole tension, that non-insulin mediated stuff, like it's not, it's not really there for them. But like, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I guarantee you, you know, first thing, like, like you're like Jason Pegg, like there you go. When he was really big in powerlifting and everything. I would love to have known what he like what he got from fucking Wendy's right after he got <laughs> to the gym every single day. You know, so I'm guessing like, quite you know, a lot. don't want to be most people
you you can go groups of people or specific individuals if you want to be ballsy. it's just it's it is a cesspool of just boiled down bad information and it has spawned so much bad shit and i i didn't okay i didn't know this guy existed until about three weeks ago uh and then i I found his i just i happened to stumble upon his gofundme page fuck uh, he had had set up for uh because this guy just recently divorced his wife he lived in England, actually. He lived in the United Kingdom, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and then he, he moved back to Texas, where he's from, and or something. I, I don't know. I don't. I, I know way too much about this. It's just it's horrible. Uh, so then he sets up a GoFundMe page. This guy Jason Blaha. He, he sets up a GoFundMe page that's a just a stupid marketing stunt. Like he's trying to get it spread around so people go, "Oh, who the fuck does this guy think he is?" But the purpose of it was because all the other YouTube fitness personalities have Mercedes. He needs a Mercedes too. Fuck. So like, I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, "This is a stupid marketing stuff." I click on the fucking thing. There's like three hundred bucks in there. <laughs> like, money. So I, the first thing I thought was like, "Okay, like funny marketing stuff." Every like, like people are gonna send it around. Like that's cool. Uh, but what are you doing with that money? Are you keeping it? Like, are you banking on it working out? And then so after I, after I, again knew nothing about the guy, I just saw. It cycling around on Facebook and stuff and then uh started watching some of his videos like dude what the fuck like it, it he actually did a video where he mentioned daily undulating periodization and he was saying that it, it didn't it uh it like didn't uh there, there wasn't enough research on it so he didn't think it was a very good program but like like I mentioned earlier it's it, it's fucking every other program yeah you know? it's, it's same principles everything else like how how I'm, I'm sorry it's not his ice cream fitness uh five by five that he stole from like ten thousand other people that didn't know what the fuck they is, were is he the bald so, guy with uh, glasses yes he is that guy yes and uh, I, I like oh man I, I heard he did a powerlifting competition and i couldn't find any information on it or anything and then the guy openly admits to like taking steroids and stuff like that and which i mean teach their own and like whatever but how can you say that in public and still have like a really shitty total and, <laughs> and then like pretend like you know what the fuck you're talking i'm pretty sure people pay money for training too and that's that that's as far as the group of people i would want to punch in the face it's any underqualified asshole selling training on the internet like <laughs> sponsorship through Panthera Training Systems. The guy who runs that is awesome. Uh, and just everyone, everyone there is awesome. Like the minimum to coach there is you have your certified strength conditioning specialist, the NSCA, and a master's degree. That is the minimum to coach there. So there's myself, the owner, one other coach, and a couple of other sponsored athletes, and that's about it. So Good stuff. That's the way it should, yeah, that's the way it should be everywhere. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome, but like then you get like that guy like just like a really good really good marketer you know really good at marketing probably like like i man it, 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 that stuff just drives me insane it's like we said the other day with um elliot hulse just take your top off talk some shit at the camera Seven hundred thousand yeah. followers 
say is that you got him. It's got to be. Why would you? Why would you lie? You must know. You must know something about it. But yeah, that's it's just it's a shame that that's the world we live in where like it's it's just the it's just entertainment value. You know, it's it's Real Housewives of New Jersey. It's it's the Jersey Shore. It's you know it's everything else on MTV. It's like true life. I'm I'm fucking a lot of people over. <laughs> like it's just it's it's unbelievable to me. Uh, yeah, I hate I hate to name names or talk shit about people or anything, but man, that guy just rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> that guy might be a perfectly decent human being and everything, and you know a lot of people their online persona is a whole lot different than what they are in real life. Might be a hell of a nice guy. I don't know. But, uh, this those series of events, uh, just seeing just seeing that stuff and being exposed to it made me made me feel like a bad person. So I don't I can't even imagine how someone could even do it as just something like market and call it for the sake of marketing. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. Just, I, I don't yeah, I, I, don't know, I hate I hate talking shit about people, but man, that he seems like he deserves it, you know? <laughs> Who um who's on the other side of the fence? Who's underappreciated that you you think people should pay more attention to? Uh, oh man, Chris Duffin. Yeah. That's, No, I don't think he does. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Um, but the, just the amount, especially all the stuff that like Super Training and Mark Bell and stuff's been doing with them. I just saw all the little things where he's like uh, squat, uh, how to do a squat where they take uh, a guy's silent bike from the gym. It's a pretty pretty decent squatter for his size and everything. And then, uh, yeah, Chris Delvin just wrecks him for a 15-minute video doing all this movement prep stuff and everything. The guy, the guy is a genius. He really is. And, and, uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible. He, he's got, he's literally the most underappreciated resource in, in any, especially with powerlifting. I mean, just physical therapy. I mean, some of the stuff he's doing with people and like uh, some of the stuff he's had to recover from. I know he's had, like, he's probably had about a dozen surgeries from the sounds of it, but he still comes back and squats. Like, what, what the hell did he do? Like, 881? Like yeah, quadruple two. body weight with no equipment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe we should fucking listen to that guy. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, everybody. Like, uh, I mean, I've, I've, like, we touched on it a little bit. I've got a lot of experience, got a lot of education. I coach a lot of people and everything. Every time he puts something up, I learn something new. And I just stuff like that. Like immediately, I mean, it's the same kind of information I like to try to put out as well. Just immediately applicable information. Like, not not a shit talking video. It's not like. Oh man, like or like whatever. I don't know. Not some just like rant video or something, but like here, here is something that people want to do better. Here's just something that might help them do it better. That's everything. Like that's how the world needs to be. That's yeah. That's how fitness on the internet needs to be. But now you get, oh man, you just get a mishmash of a bunch of bullshit. But yeah, every everybody should be checking it out. Just go on YouTube and type Chris Dubbin and watch every single thing that comes up. It's, it's pretty amazing. Um, where can people find you online? Uh, I've, got, I've got a YouTube page. Uh, you can just search Mike Hedleski. It comes up. It's H-E-D-L-E-S-K-Y. Uh, and also, um, I've got a, a pretty... I'm probably a little too active on Instagram. I'm, I'm like a 13-year-old girl. <laughs> I think sometimes, I think. Just the filters are really pretty. So, uh, so uh, I'm, uh, on that one, I'm pretty sure you can search Mike Hedleski and that comes up. But on that one, I am hamburger 
Train, and that's all one word, uh, and it's it's uh, E D on the end. So Hamburger Train, Hamburger Train. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, somebody had Hamburger Train, and I'm gonna go find that motherfucker. <laughs> then uh, so there's that one, and then uh, yeah, just on Facebook, just Mike and Lesky. Again, you can search Hamburger Train. That pops up too. Uh, for some god awful reason. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I'm on. Just that. That's it. I, I've got a Twitter too. I'm not very active on it. I've got like some app that links everything to it. I don't even check it. Like I still don't really understand exactly what that does or what it is or anything. So like, uh, yeah, same thing. Search Mike Hedlesky. It'll pop up. Nice one. Thank you very much, Mike. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Nice to talk to you again when we're both, you know, relatively sober, I guess. Yeah, for now. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, brother. Yeah. <laughs>